Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. That thing I do is the thing I do debts and dudes. Those things we do. That thing I... That thing I... Do, you know, my homework this week is to find is to figure out new names. Yeah. Because you've come up with all the good well, they're ones. They're pretty easy. And that again, I have to I'd... give proper like credit to Mark Marin, who yes. was the guy that kind of got me into podcasts in the first place. And... His podcast is what the fuck, so he says what the fuckers, what the fucking ears, you know, et cetera. Every every kind of version pun of fuck, of which there are many. We have to be a little more clever, but yeah, what th- that thing I do, that thing I dudes, that thing I do debts, that thing I do words. That thing I do, you know, I really should be better at this. That thing I do for fans. That thing I no, you know what? That's my homework for next week. I have to really, I really have to sit down with myself and figure this out because I feel like you're winning right now and I'm losing. I wouldn't have yeah, thought of winning. it if you didn't make me do this podcast. So that is transferable to you. We are, we are equal on the scoreboard. That's true. I love that that Darren is is sitting and doing this podcast while eating. Can I blow? You can blow my spot. It's a great eating? snack. It's the cutest it's a thing. Great snack. It's the cutest thing ever. Darren is eating. Apple slices. Are the cores in or out? Who do you think I am? I cut the core out. Oh, my God. Yes, you're for me. Cut core, apple slices with cinnamon. cinnamon. It is the cutest thing. It's so cute. It's a nice uh, low glycemic uh, snack with uh, no no added sugar. It's just just good food. Um, I would wager to say that apples are high on the glycemic index. Is it? But, oh, you're yes. right. I was thinking of nuts, so I fucked that up. Yeah, you would know about glycemic indexes more than anybody. What the fuck do I know? Oh, I am well, well versed in the glycemic index. Well, what am I thinking? Versed. Is low glycemic? Low glycemic is like almonds and shit, right? Low GI is like yeah. So things that things basically that the glycemic index essentially is like it measures the time that it takes. This is my understanding. It measures the time that it takes the sugar to. I guess, spike your blood sugar. That's how it was explained to me. So for instance, orange juice, very high on the glycemic index because it raises your blood sugar as a type one diabetic very, very quickly. Like when I have a low blood sugar, I shoot OJ. I literally like knock back a bottle of OJ. But things that are low on the glycemic index, like if you're thinking of fruits, like berries. Berries. That's like what it was. That's what it was. I fucked that up. Yeah, apples are a lot of shit. What am I talking about? Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for illuminating me. I've been misusing that uh, descriptor for a while. But it is no oh, added sugar. I'm never going to let you slide. No added sugar. That is true. And I applaud you for that. Thank, Thank you. you for being such an ally to the diabetic a, community. Yeah, the, <laughs> or people that just don't want to have you know, Thank you. junk food. <laughs> you know my junk food is because I'm not really a big sugar guy, at least added sugar dude. Uh, in general, like I, uh, I absorb like all the really sweet fruits, you know, when I want like a dessert treat. Cause I don't do like, like gummy chocolate? snacks or ch- well chocolate. If I do chocolate, I'll go on another tip. I do like the 100% cacao bitter and like, I'll like have a fistful yes. of that and then I'll work out. But it, I sound like such a fucking bro right now. But on the fruit tip. Yeah, seriously, Darren. Sorry, I know, it's gross. But I have to finish what I have to finish it so I can get out of it. I was going to say on the no sugar fruit no, thing. No, I think it's because we were talking about that with We were talking about working today, out with Reggie, Reggie Watts. We were talking about fitness. Yes, yes. who is our guest this so week. I, yes, we asked him about I will accept eating. that you're talking about ch- like 
having a fistful of cacao nibs and then pumping iron. That's okay. And health and you wellness is important. We talk about this. Some of our ad partners are all kinds of health and wellness. We'll talk about care of in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I've, it's something that I'm interested. I, I, I'm interested what I put in the proverbial car, the proverbial Mini Cooper that is my life. I like putting the the correct clean gas in its tank. I think it's important to be healthy, but I think it's also important to be kind to yourself. And if you have a craving for something that might not be the best for you, you listen to your body and you eat it. I agree. I agree. But I will say the thing that once you don't eat junk food for a long time, how like natural sweet things become on the level like of junk food, like your brain and body respond to it in the way that it would like a Snickers bar. Like I will say my, oh, fuck yeah. Oh my God. Yes version of that are dates and figs it's a very mediterranean yes. north african Ooh. middle eastern kind of kind of thing um man yes. a good like date and like a fresh fig oh forget about it and some pistachios fuck wow you are so good you are really you're you're Straight letting your mediterranean flag yeah i know you want to go to the shuk later dude Damn, okay. sign me up that shit is so Let's go to the shuk so good i remember when i first time i went to the middle east and i had like a I think it was in Qatar because we say Qatar Airways. It's Qatar is how they pronounce it. I'm it's sure I, people fuck that all the yes. time. But I was on Qatar Airways and one of their lounges had like their pre-wrapped dates, which a pre-wrapped anything. At the, you're like, oh, I'm sure this is a shitty date. It was one of the most delicious dates I'd ever had in my fucking life. <laughs> Just because I was on that side of the world. I was like, this is this is where we get these delicious treats. I love dates. It's the land of milk and honey. It really is. You know? Ugh. It really is. So good. But the closest thing that I've found to a Middle Eastern date is a California desert date on the way to Palm Springs. Yep. Yeah, because desert, it's like a hot, I don't know the sort of ecology of it, but yeah, I guess it must have something to do with dry something. Yes. But I think, but there's a, there's a famous date farm in, oh yeah! When you in the desert on the ten, you have the, yes. all the signs that are like yep. the famous date shakes of whatever. I know, and I always want to pull yep. over and be like, Give "Do you me remember that. what it's called?" No, you've never been. No, I always pass. It's called Hadley's. 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 Yes. 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 There was. A, oh my god, oh. Hadley's the best date. Like the best date shake, maybe the best shake I've ever had. And they do banana date, a banana date. Oh, shake. banana date, lethal combo. <sighs> That's good. It's so good, Darren. And that, like, I will save up my diabetes points while visiting Palm Springs. Like, I will be a, I will be the pristine diabetic. I will make sure my blood sugars are as yeah, close to normal high, as possible. Right? Oh, and then I go off the rails and I have a day shake and my blood sugars are off the Richter scale for like two days. But that's like but natural sugars, it. but it's all sugar. So it doesn't really matter if it's like no, processed it's or not. The right? shake. Well, no, the shake itself is already like is an is a no fly zone. Yeah, I'm sure. But then you add the dates and the bananas, and it is it is a diabetic nightmare. But again, I'm an apt pupil, an amazing student. You could do worse than world. a date shake. It's not like you're getting a McFlurry. You know, you're doing. Um, you know, that's you know, it's pretty healthy. We can talk about this because it's deceptive. Basically, McFlurries and date shakes are the same thing. It's the same way that, like, a oh. kind bar, like a protein bar or a kind bar. You're talking about sugar content. For diabetics. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I remember going to my um, my endocrinologist when I was first diagnosed and thinking that I was being a good diabetic because I wasn't, I was, I wasn't eating candy. I was eating, like, a, a kind bar. I was eating a kind bar. It had nuts and it had honey and it was all natural. And then my my doctor 
asked me to check the the nutritional content and compare it to a Snickers. And it was only off by like six grams of sugar. So it's essentially kind of the it same. It doesn't matter if it's no, processed it or natural sugar. It's just sugar. It doesn't it's matter what it's dressed up as. Oh, that sucks. Exactly. So sugar is sugar. But, you know, I mean, and I, that's that's for diabetics. That's, you know, it's different for you people with a working pancreas. Yeah. Man. You people with a working pancreas, you know, it's a little different. But, again, I will go with you to Hadley's. I will hop in my car Hadley's. right now. There was a girl in grade school named Hadley that I loved. So now I go, man, it's a double, Hadley. double, double, uh, double whammy. What, what, how old were you? I was like, I mean, in grade school. I just remember she was like the, the quiet, pretty girl Aww. that didn't know she was pretty. I remember I had a crush on Hadley, but Hadley, Aww. Hadley now maybe has a, a huge date empire, which is, which is, I'm sure there's a joke in there Get somewhere. Get in there, Darren. I know. It's okay. Get at her. I'll just, you know, That's I like, can finally have I, a date like I... with Hadley. See, date with Hadley or just free you can ask her for a, a free date platter and then give them to all your friends and family for christmas <laughs> i don't think i'd give them to anybody I, I would, would eat i would lie and say it's for my family <laughs> and they'd eat them all myself now that i know that you're so obsessed with dates i'm just that's i know what to get you for hanukkah now oh my god i'll never have enough dates in the house because they also stay for a long time so like exactly it's the best like snack i'll just have so many but again i'll still get like that is sugar. Like I'll get, I'll, I can get sick eating too many dates. Like my family's like go to oh, yeah. fruit and the most sweet thing in the world. It is the greatest fruit on the planet. Is an actual mango, like a real fucking mango. Ooh. Like I think Californians and people in the United States kind of forget. Like I remember Mia never. She's like I don't really like mangoes. I was like you never had a really a real mango. And I took her to the Philippines, and not the starchy stuff that we have here after it gets imported from wherever Mexico or somewhere closer to the equator. When you go to the Philippines and it's you open a mango and it's like pudding. And you put a spoon what? in. It's like, uh, I can't even describe the joy. I mean, there's parts, it's not just the Philippines. All, all parts of, you know, the tropical areas and certainly parts of Mexico that have really? amazing. Oh yeah, like there's there's a difference that I think is staggering that I look forward to. If we're, if we're in that side of the world, SD, I cannot wait to blow your mind, hopefully not blow up your glycemic uh, levels, just a, a tiny bite. And you'll yeah, be like, I don't want to die. You'll be like, this is not what I thought a mango tasted like. It is very different. Like pudding? Like pudding. You, I like the consistency. It's, it's like so, pudding it's too? It's so ripe that when you open it up, it's just like scooping out like a like a jello pudding kind of thing. It's so, not pudding, what? not like that's not soft, not like like a viscous soup. I'm just talking about like, the the way that the spoon can kind of carve into it in a very soft buttery way that's a I real imagine mango like, like a kiwi like a kiwi if you will maybe i mean I, i'll leave it to the imagination but the point is it's it's some it's the most delicious fruit in the world and one of my favorite things and man, that that's like the decadent oh my god like if, if i yeah, was a, if that's a diabetic that would be a huge 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 i don't wish diabetes me. on anyone i think that it's it's yeah i'm glad that you don't have it I'm glad that you don't have it, and I hope one day. But thank you for uh, thank you for illuminating for me this. and other people. You know, thanks for being like now that you're in the public eye, like a not an uh, unintentional spokesperson and, and educator of that experience for people that you know now get to see parts of them in yeah. you rocking out on stage. Like that's a cool thing. You know, it's not just Nick Jonas, guys. It's not just Nick Jonas, and also I don't. I, the other thing is like I don't wish it upon anyone, but I will say that it has brought me some of my best friends and it's brought me a sense of community because everyone in the type one diabetic community is so supportive of one another. So that I'm very thankful yeah. for. 
So having my diet buddies. Diet buddies. My diet buddies. That's really good. Um, has been great. And meeting people on the road that are diabetic is also has always been something really cool. And it's nice to to feel like I'm not so alone on the road when I'm meeting other people that are dealing with the same Is there a, a candy that you liked as a kid that like you miss? Oh, oh my God. Reese's Pieces. Oh you, yeah, that's your thing. Chocolate peanut, but me too. I love that. I thought, I, cause some people, some people are more chocolatey, some people are more candy, you know, like Jolly Rancher, like Starbursty kind of stuff. I'm more chocolatey. Yes. So I agree, I'm with you. Reese's for sure. A dark chocolate Reese's. Reese's Pieces. Freezer. And then I still in the freezer and I, my mouth still starts watering, a la Pavlov's Bell, when I think about warheads. Oh, you you like that sour thing? You like Sour Patch Kids? See, I'm already. I'm wow. Already, I, yeah, I don't have that, but I I, I can I I can saliva. appreciate that for sure. I mean, I I liked them. The, what was your favorite? I like the cherry one, the black cherry warheads. Those were fun. Black cherry warheads and the blue blueberry. Oh, yeah. Those are, those were actually fun. I like those too. I didn't like the lemon ones. The lemon one was like also too the payoff much sour. wasn't fun because the whole point was to get past the sour to get to this really sweet thing. And if you have lemon, it's like sour and then more sour. No, like, and then like no one, no one likes. The, I don't think no one like like no one really loves like the lemon starburst. Yeah, too, I don't. Right? I don't dislike. It. Oh, dude, I have a crazy f- story for you that me and I found out when we were in Japan. So you know how ever have, have okay? So it's a very divisive flavor. Grape Jolly Rancher. Do you like okay. it or do you not like it? I can do without it. You can do without it. I happen to love it. This seems to be very, like, it's it's very, like, up or down, right? Some people hate it. Some people love it. I like okay. the Jolly Rancher flavor. This is a synthetic grape flavor. It's what Diamond Tap tastes like. It's the taste of a lot of grape tasting things. I'm using quote fingers. And for my whole life, I was like, this isn't what grapes taste like, because I know what grapes taste like. I, I have my California grapes, and the grape Jolly Rancher is a different flavor. Like, this is what happens when they synthesize yes. a flavor. That's not real grape. A few years ago, I'm sitting in the mountains of uh, 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 Nagano, Japan, right? I'm having breakfast okay. and we have fresh fruit okay. out. And they have these big, big, like beautiful, almost cartoonish looking grapes, purple grapes. I'm just talking to Mia and we're having breakfast and I pop one in my mouth and I just go, oh my God, this is what a grape flavored Jolly Rancher it tastes like and then I realized in that moment that the people who chemically engineer the candy flavor of grape were mimicking the actual taste of grape just from an Asian province from from Japan I don't know if it tastes the same way in other parts of that side of the world really? yeah and I realized oh my god this is the grape that they were doing because let's pretend maybe that was manufactured in Japan. I don't know. Chemically engineered in Japan. So they were like they were on the nose. I thought it was a fake flavor like oh Jolly Ranchers don't t- actually taste like grape. They actually do. Just not grapes in California. Just not grapes in the United States but there are grapes in the world that actually That's taste like. So it blew crazy. my fucking mind Esty. I was like this whole time. I thought that I was like convoluting my sense of what grape tastes like. No. They, there are real grapes out there that taste like Jolly Ranchers, not the other way around. Isn't that crazy? This whole conversation is making me want to try every fruit that we have in America and try it on that yeah, side. See of the what world. it's mimicking. First, now you're first you're telling me well, you're telling me mangoes. Oh yeah. Totally different thing. Aren't mangoes. And now you're telling me grapes aren't grapes. Well, it's true of the world. It's like you have everything is different. There's different versions of things. Everything in different is places. different. Everyone's truth is different. Well, I want to try well, it now. Hey, listen. Now I want to go 
Should we? Let's go, right. Darren. Let's right, we gotta go, go Darren. I got to start walking. Uh, we got a long way to go. Um, <laughs> who was our guest this week? We said Reggie Watts is with us. It turns out that you actually had already met Reggie. I thought maybe I was throwing a guest that I, I had yes. some pull on. I, I didn't. I find this out in the interview. What a fascinating guy. I You could tell my fandom of him. You know, a dude who is like... Is he's just great at everything. Fabulous musician. He's a funny dude. He's a great impressionist. He's got such a masterful gift of improvisation. All the stuff that I really, really admire. And you can hear me going off on it. I'm glad you kind of broke it up a little bit. Well, for he's me just really and just like fucking mouth off the entire time. Well, I mean, I wasn't really talking that much because I'm very intimidated by him. Shut up. No, you're not. I swear I am. I am. He's so this is the thing. I'm intimidated by people that are good musicians and are funny. Like if you if you make me laugh like what Marilyn Monroe, I mean, the the infamous quote, if you can get a girl to laugh, you can get her to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, I forget. I think I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. It's It's very true. It's very true, at, at least in my world. Like, if you can make me laugh, I'm probably going to want to hang out with you all the time. And which is also I mean, why I'm here. You make me laugh. I want well, to do a podcast you. with you. So with Reggie, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I, I started to kind of when we were interviewing him, I didn't want to go like too deep into the, our origin story. But I do remember just like looking like watching him do his like it was like a tight five set, before the yeah. show started. And uh, I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. He's really funny. I want to be his friend, but how How do I? Like, how do I? Like, what do I do? Just go up to you and go like, I think you're cool. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I waited until I played. Right. Because I was like, then at least I can kind of like be like, oh, I just played. Instead of being like, oh, I'm playing today. And have, you know, have him be like, oh, big deal. So we're like 10,000 other bands that are playing this festival. But I was like, you know, I, I played and then, you know, he happened to be on the side stage. And then, you know, just kind of like it was this really natural thing. We got off stage and, you know, he was just kind of backstage and we started talking. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's really cool. I really hope we can be friends. He's really awesome. I mean, that's the way that I feel like we get to kind of, you know, put our hand up. And I don't want to say prove ourselves, but I guess it is proving ourselves, you know, like it's one thing to be like, I love you. You mean a lot to me. I want to give back to you in some way to where you can hopefully see me the way that I see you or a fraction of the way that I see you. And what's cool about getting in a position where you can, you're playing music with them or you're acting with them or you're doing something that is similar to the thing that they put out. It is like. It's a way for them to see you, you know, in in every sense of the word, right? And so well, yeah. that's a great, yeah. I, I totally am with that because it's like it's either it's either I want to f- be a peer, yeah. I want to be your peer, yeah. Exactly. I want to, I I want like I want to be us to be able to like relate to each other on the same level. So that's why I I I, I my plan was like okay, well at least like perform and you can be and you can have the confidence of knowing like yes, I belong here. Right. I do. Bel- I have a re- I have a reason for being here because I'm playing in this in this show and you know, but I was still intimidated. That that didn't go away. But at least I could have the armor of okay, like I can be in my can be in my power for a second and be like, okay, I do have a right to be here. I play bass, I sing songs. We're going to have fun. And then 
hopefully maybe he hears about the performance or maybe he sees the performance and be like, oh yeah, that, you know, that the bass player and that, you know, that band of sisters. Yeah, we you smell know. our yeah, own. Yeah, great. It's giving him an opportunity to yes. kind of like, yeah, again, smelling the scent of the, of the, of the pack. You know, like, oh, okay, yes. she's, she's in the club. I and mean, that's how I feel, too. I mean, I, I feel like when I get intimidated or really excited, I just, I motor mouth a little bit. I try, which I kind of, you can hear in the interview, um, even though I, you know, I've, I've, I've. No, you killed it. You were great. Thank you. I, I was really I go, excited. I go about the one. opposite. I go the opposite. I get, I tend to just kind of get really like quiet and, and I, I just observe. But. Probably not the best thing for a podcast, so I'm going to work on that. No, I'm work I think on we being trade. Intimidated you know, by our guests. Well, because sometimes I'll sit by. It's like, listen, we're a tag team. We kind of, we kind of got to feel the flow. It's like being a musician. That's true. You got to know when to add the the pieces and when to sit back. And it's all about cadence, man. And I feel like we should get into it. I really like. This Let's get into it, with Reggie Watts. Great musician, great dude, and so so lovely to to join us. Let's hear what he has to say about all the things on that thing I do podcast. All right. We're here. Hey, bud. Thanks for joining us. Hey. Where, where have you Where have you been? Where have I been? You mean today? This is maybe my Reggie Watts question. Oh. Take it as you will. This is, gotcha, uh, gotcha. is it a metaphysical question? Is it a literal question? Where have... It's both. It's both. We've been, yeah. It's, yeah, it's li- literal physical. Where have I been? I, well, today I've been, I went to the gym. There we go. Oh. That's good. Are you a gym guy? Are you like a fitness dude? Well, I mean, like all the Heim sisters, like I'm just like constantly working out. Like, and so, yes. I wish that was I, true, I Reggie. Actually, what? no, not true at all. I like my version of physical fitness is I will bike <laughs> around my neighborhood while my boyfriend is running. So I'm like his, I look like his coach. I look like his coach. Like, keep, like, keep it going. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> You know, in fairness, that is working out there. Technically. Out, like, the verb and the preposition are both correctly used. Here's the thing. Reggie's making it seem like I'm a gym rat or my sisters are gym rats also. I think he was just being charming. not. But I appreciate but I it. I mean, look at these guns. Look at these guns. But that's from bass playing, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Bass playing. Yeah. That's well, from I mean, playing. Yeah, bass shoulders and arms are, you know, you can't. You can't duplicate that in the gym. That's what I look for. That's what I look for in people is base, shoulders, and arms. Yeah, base, shoulders, base, shoulders, and arms. Shoulders and shoulders, arms knees is and my toes. main <laughs> my main criteria. Yes, that is what I look for. Do you is it is it offset? Is it just like your left side? Is, is this is this more powerful than the other side? Depending on if you're a left or righty. No, it's it's equal because. I don't know if Darren, I don't know if you've ever seen me play the bass, but no. it's aggressive. It's a workout, and so I. The entire, well, really the, my whole body, but especially from the waistline or the equator up, there is a lot of aggression being. Oh, we exerted. have all seen it. We definitely know. Yes. So Reggie it is. Reggie knows. Tis know. a workout. Tis a workout. I know. Reggie saw the first uh, festival I ever played. What? The, Reggie, well, was, Reggie was there. Gentleman of the road. I met Reggie in 2012 when we played and Haim played the Gentleman of the Road Tour. And the way I remember it is Reggie was the MC of said festival. And I remember I'd never met him before. And I remember watching him and lulling and then scheming in my brain, like, how am I going to be friends with this person? Because I don't have any other friends on this tour. 
other than my sisters, and he seems really cool. It was intimidating. It was like St. Vincent, and like I knew we knew no one. All right, I'm just going to stop you right here, Reggie. Yeah, so for crazy. the past couple weeks, we've had guests. We had yes. Maya Rudolph. We had the Heim sisters. We had Evan Rachel. We did some people that I that that for the most part, Esty had like she brought to the table. And this time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and pull my weight. Try and pull somebody that perhaps Esty has never met, but Esty knows fucking everybody apparently. And okay, I guess you guys met in 2012. I, <laughs> It, I, yet again, cool people beget cool people. I just can't avoid it. I thought I was. I, I, I thought I had an edge. <laughs> no, you do. My edge. No, Darren, you do. My question is, my rec. That's my recollection of meeting, of meeting Reggie, and he still hasn't confirmed whether or not he likes me or not, and he still wants to be my oh, friend. Well, that's why we're here. So yeah, well, I'm I waiting guess now or never. The time is a ticking, Reggie. Well. I defer we'll to you. We'll find out by the end of this podcast. God damn it. <laughs> well, no. I'm still trying to be, I'm still trying to be Reggie's friend since 2012. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm friend with any friends with any bass player, like in general, but you're, you and specifically, you. I mean, come Thank on. Thank you. You know, Thank it's you. like no one, no one plays bass like you do. No one does bass bass like you do. Oh, I'll take Nobody it. Nobody does it better. Better. Thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. All right. I just want to put on the. I want to put on the scoreboard. We got one Marvin Hamlish. Uh, We're going to see how many other Hamlishes we can get during the course of this this interview. Before you were here, we already we we were already singing uh uh that other song from Chorus Line. So he's currently got two on the board. Actually, we'll see what other composers get. uh, Yeah, we were singing a chorus line today for the Martin Hamlish Challenge. Uh, Reggie Watts has already dropped one Marvin Hamlish. Song. Do you think? Do you think me and and Hamlish are related? Uh, mm. you know what? Let's not the truth get in the way of a good story. Let's just assume <clears throat> because we have. Does it well, when you think about well, yeah. right, because Ellis, I I have to believe that like somewhere we probably had the same last name, and mine just got chopped off somewhere. The end of mine. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. See what I mean? Marvin Hamlish. Yeah, I'm sure somewhere in Staten Island. Is it you know, spelled H A I M L something something something? It could be, but who you know? There's a lot. There were a lot of uh, a lot of gatekeepers. You know, when people were coming into this country, famously changing the things and making it easier to spell. So there's who yeah. knows. Well, Maybe my name was definitely kinda... changed. So I'm gonna go with we're related. You could be. Yeah, Hamlish. He's if he was alive, he'd definitely be on this show. Because Reggie, I have to welcome you because you fit the bill. You know, we like to have multi hyphenates on this show. Uh, Essie and I both being performers and musicians of types, and uh, you kind of straddle the line between a lot of different things for our listeners that don't really know your background. I've always been very effusive about how much I adore you, how much I've followed you over the years, and you know you're kind of this template of one of these guys that kind of keeps people guessing, you know, that has a lot of different skill sets. And this can be a blessing and a curse for people that like to do a lot and have an ability to to accomplish a few different things because audiences are always going, well, what box can I put them in? My brain totally. needs to categorize things so I can make my life easy. But it's just not as simple as that. So um, so welcome, man. Thanks for joining us. It's fucking cool that you're here and that we've already given one Marvin Hamlish song. Shout out. Pledge. Um, so let me go back Thank for a second. You. So you're at the gym. You're working out. Are you are you a fitness at home guy? Or are you a, a gym like gym? Do- I, and I say that I, I'm also a fitness nerd. I'm like a because I think musician and fitness thing doesn't always go hand in hand. But no, I am no, that guy. That's definitely not true. Yes. That, uh, yeah. 
I mean, it's it. You know, it depends on what bracket you're in. Sometimes, like with music, you know, like like some of it is like self destruction is part of the lifestyle. You know, right? Yeah. But but it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be. You don't have to sacrifice your body. But I I would say like you know for me as I was getting older, you know, touring really killed me. I put on so much weight touring. I was like sixty pounds overweight, and then when I got to L.A., I was like, you know. I don't want to be that way anymore. I'd been like super fit twice, like three times in my life um, before that time period. So I had it in, I had it in me, but um, I just kind of let things go. And so, yeah, once I got to LA, I started, you know, I got a trainer and started working out. And, um, and now I just, even though I'm not like at my, I still gained some pounds during COVID or whatever, at least I'm still working out four times a week and I still have my cardiovascular. Like as I feel, I feel good. I just have the extra weight, but I'm just like, and now I'm just like in that Hollywood, like I'm not going to look at a mirror today. It's like, Oh, these pants are a little tighter. You know, like I, I'm definitely, I have that, <laughs> that kind of thing going on. But ultimately I just, I have to just be really happy for my health, you know, that I, I can walk and I can breathe and my heart functions and all that stuff, you know, cause I mean, without any of that, life doesn't really matter. I'm with you. It's uh, that's a thing that I I kind of came around to in like my late 20s, where I think because especially if you're an actor, working out is equated to like looking good right. with a minimal amount of clothes on. And I reached a point where I was like running up a flight of stairs, and I wanted to fucking jump off a cliff. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> I need to, I need my heart to function properly. I need to be able to uh, live uh, life yes. without yes. it being miserable. Because these stairs weren't even that hard, and I was like, "Fuck, trying to have like a six pack." Like, as my brother famously once said, he, he at the time he had two kids. He has more kids since then, but he was looking at his children, and I was in really good shape at the time. And he looks at me and goes, "Man, even if I had a six pack, the fuck would I do with it?" And I was like, <laughs> "You're right. It doesn't. It, what do you? It doesn't. What does it matter?" He's like, "I just I want to be healthy, be able to like you know have, not have my heart want to explode and have my blood pressure be all right." So I'm with you, man. Yeah, man. With yeah, you. it's not the Richard, vanity. We want you it's the sanity. No, we want you around. Not the vanity, but the sanity. That is so true. Right here, and, you heard it here. And, yeah. and we want Reggie Watts to be around for the next hundred years. So we do. Cheers. I would, I would love that. I would yeah. love yeah. that. Yeah, me We'd too, all love man. That. I would love man. It. Thank you, and and to you guys as well. I mean, you guys are all Thank amazing, you. amazing, incredible performers. It's like, I mean, you know, and and more than that, but you know, but like for people out there that see what you do, like that's those are important things. And not only that, but like you know. For real people, like real deal people, like there's a lot of people that are out there. I was actually just thinking about this. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of performers that I'm like, yeah, that's great. You know, they're doing their thing. It's it's great. But there's a there's a type of performer that puts something into what they do, an artist that puts something into what they do that actually expands something for people that are listening to it because there's an undeniable amount of talent, you know. And there's a lot of people out there that are people are like, dude, that person's so rad. And I'm like, yeah, they're okay, but like. I need some magic, you know what I mean? That's like, you know, so like Doja Cat is like a person that I just, uh, you know, kind of discovered from a friend a few months ago. And I was like, what is going on? I mean, like, I was like, I would take this going to be controversial, but I'm like, not that, not this competition. It's not, this is just me. Like if I had to like choose somebody to like listen to and to follow their career musically, I would, I would choose Doja Cat over like Beyonce, any of those people, just because, she's she's creating what you're seeing and she's a, an insane dancer an incredible singer so imaginative also an amazing mc and a beat maker i mean she's like everything happening at once she's dare so i say you may or may yeah. not have described doja cat the way that i would describe you you, you watch. <laughs> i think 
You may yeah. have accidentally projected the thing that you want to accomplish and oh, and shit. succeed in accomplishing oh, in being mirrored by people that you want to see doing the same thing. And this is something that I've, I've always really admired about you and, and, and a bunch of performers that I, that I have uh, in my life that I get to get to meet and be very inspired by. You you were just talking about people who kind of put their you're seeing which you're creating what you're seeing. And that has largely to do with that artist utilizing all the things that are extraordinarily unique to them. I think Haim does a wonderful job of this, mainly because it's times three of the same bloodline, yeah. embracing a thing that makes them unique. So when they sing together, it's like the fucking Bee Gees because you have the same literal genetic vocal timber sounding yes. like magic. And you have yes. somebody like you that has all these skills that has managed to put it all in one place. Like you're a funny guy and you're a good musician. But it's nice when you see those things come together in a way that not everybody can fucking do. And that is such a, a cool thing. And so I guess I'm just reverting that compliment that you were giving to Doja Cat to yourself. And I'm going to bring this back. You were saying you were on tour for many years, right? And you were that's yes. where you're doing the, the tour, the tour gut. I get that one. I know it very well. I think so does Esty. Let's go back for a little bit for listeners that, that don't know, because uh, on the show, we kind of take people who we think on a, on a wider scale might know somebody for one thing, but there's so many other things going on. That thing I do is about the many other things that we do. And, uh, you know, you have a rich history in music. And when you were touring, are you talking about, I know you did, you had like a funk group back in the day. Was this your own stuff? Was this as, as a comedian? Was this his music? What were you, what, what tour you were talking about? Well, there was uh, when I first left Seattle, um, I moved out to New York in like 2003 to pursue comedy. And Seattle was for, for, for school. Seattle was uh, no, I was well, kind of. I moved to Seattle in 1990, and then I uh, I played in shitloads of bands, and then I decided to go to school. I moved there for the Art Institute, but I, I quit after six months. But then I started playing in shitloads of bands, and then I decided to study jazz voice at Cornish, and so. I did two and a half years there. I didn't graduate. I just was kind of there for the experience. And then that was all my schooling. Then the rest of it was just me being in jam bands and all kinds of manner of music. But really, and I toured, but it wasn't like hardcore, hardcore touring. It was just like little stints here and there. When I moved to New York and started doing comedy, once that picked up, uh, I started traveling a lot, you know, going to Edinburgh and then like and then from Edinburgh, you know, maybe I'd pick up a gig in Germany and then you know, Scandinavia or whatever. And I started touring around, going to Australia. Then I, I started doing all the, and, and it was just nonstop like micro tours. As you, you know, all, as Reggie Watts. All the time. As Reggie Watts, just me moving through whatever the world. And during that time, that was about, I'm going to say that was probably like a solid seven years um, after I moved there. And during that time, you know, I, I remember going to South Africa, Cape Town wow. for design in Daba, <laughs> which is wow. insane. Brian, Brian Eno, for some, whatever reason, well, we met at PopTech. But Brian Eno, once he met me and saw me, he really liked what I did. And he invited me to five festivals that he cur curated throughout like the two years, plus having me play at his daughter's birthday party at his house in Oxfordshire what? for both daughters. You played Brian yeah. Eno's daughter's birthday? What a trip. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. You, you, you wouldn't believe it, man. I mean, it's like, I'm telling you, like, all this shit that happened during that time, it's like, people are like, what? Like, you know, like me going, playing for his daughters, his daughters setting up my gear, like plugging in the sound system and everything. <laughs> He's got his daughters no on. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> that yeah, his is daughters, funny. Like, are, they're engineers. Like, they know they know music. And so, like, they're like. He's like, you have to tech your own birthday party. 
I'll get you, yeah, I'll get course. you Reggie Watts, but you're the hired tech for the day. Totally. A hundred percent. I mean, I was like, I was like, is this really happening? And then like, you know, spend the night in their like little cute, one of their rooms in there in his like cute guest house. And then in the morning, Brian's making me breakfast. He's singing Stop. songs with his brother playing guitar. They're singing together. And then he gives me a ride to the fucking airport for my next tour date. Like I, I just wow. like, like Brian was the shit. It sounds like an acid dream to me. It sounds like a full I think people oh, have totally. had that acid dream, but they were yeah. probably astral projecting into your actual experience. Yes. That's what I am. I'm a surrogate. Yeah, you're sur- a <laughs> take off four my people's plates. acid trips. <laughs> I am a surrogate. Sign me up. I want to. I want to. I want in there. I want a piece of that I'm life. I want being, being Reggie Malkovich. That sounds great. That's insane. Isn't that insane? So, but to say, but, but what I, all that to say is when I, he invited me to design in Dapa, South Africa, and when I flew down there. And that's kind of when I started going a little crazy on food because I've always been like kind of a chubby kid. I was a chubby kid growing up and I really relied on food for comfort. You know, this is a very common problem. But um, when I went to, as soon as I landed the jet lag and all that stuff, I was just like, ah, fuck it. I'll just order. They've got weird hamburgers here. I better try them. You know, and just (laughs) just be like trying late night hamburgers, all the free food and like, you know, sitting around at a, you know, whatever luxury hotel shit. And then, you know, flying and eating all the food on first class. Like, it was just like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm in first class. I can do it. You know, and I just Yeah, they're giving, crazy. they're asking me to eat this often. I don't yes. want to be rude. No, you can't be rude. You got to, you know, you got to go fit into the lifestyle. So, you know, and I was doing that without having any, you know, active elements in my life at all. So I just ended up gaining a lot of weight because you, you just get comfortable. It's just the luxury of touring. Once you get to a certain level, of touring and not that I was like at a high level, but I wasn't being invited, you know, to cool things and they would like just build in that experience. Um, also, it's just so, you, you know, that's an important qualifier that it's just true you, as opposed to being a group of guys, group of girls. It's like, if it's all, like all of that, now the writer now just goes to one person. That doesn't have to be split. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I could definitely say there'd be an issue. I mean, I'm like such a pig on, on tour. No. Yeah. Touring and food is, Oof brutal it is isn't it it's brutal and i mean i i'm sure you can relate to the idea of like doing a show and like finishing at like 11 or or midnight and then being so fucking hungry yep and there being nothing open Mm -hmm. like except like dominoes yep or like the like bar food so like burgers and you're kind of at the mercy out of it yeah you're kind of at the mercy of what's open and like and also the 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 dead end that I ran into was I was like okay then I'm just gonna order the food before and I'm gonna order That's something smart, healthy. Though. I've had to learn how to do that too. You got to get. But it before, could you do all... it? I was like I don't want to eat a salad right now. I don't. I'm not gonna want a salad. That's yeah, tough. I know when I, I get I off stage, it's now. like give me beer and fat yeah, and burgers exactly, and give me carbs. And then yeah. as a type one diabetic, being oh, on that's the road a fuck. and. Yeah, and then like you know, my oh, blood sugar shit. would be right. yeah T1D. D. So like, oh, okay, gotcha. I would I would finish, I would finish the show. I would scarf down a whole pizza to myself, and yep. then go to bed. And my blood sugar would just it was like Colossus. It was like, and then I would wake up the next day and feel like shit and dehydrated because my blood sugar was high all night, and then I'd have to do a show. So it's it's 
touring is definitely grueling. It's the thing that I love more than anything in the world. I sure. wouldn't be able to do anything else. There's nothing more fun than touring, but it's definitely not. That's like 30 times as hard for you, though. Reginary, like, oh, man, we love food. It's hard, you know, on tour. And like, yeah, I have a a condition that actually makes it 50 million times more of an issue. Yeah. But it's for everyone, right? It's for everyone that's touring, not not just people with type 1 diabetes, but like, it's just not the most conducive thing to your health because you're also, you know, no offense to, you know, Nebraska or other states surrounding Nebraska. Wyoming. Yeah. Right, but there's just not like the the health the healthiest of foods are not really at your disposal. It's not like living in LA or New York where right. you know the health conscious are a plenty and abound and it's easy to get healthy food wherever you are. But when you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, the health food is like Subway. I'm going to I'm going to put a pin in my my middle of tour story because Reggie's here and I want to I want to ask him some questions yeah. but I will Sure. Oh uh, well she no I, I have to tell you guys this I'm sorry I have to. It's just too good. Even though I'm I, this is sorry. I guess my name's on this podcast too. I have to say it. So there was a famous no, night where it was like one of my first tours. Uh same thing 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. We finally get in the road. It's one of these long hauls between I want to say like it was like we're somewhere in Cincinnati we're driving to we were driving to Kentucky or something. We're all fucking starving. Okay. And um, we just all collectively go, hey, man, do you mind just like we don't care? Like there's a talk. Oh, like, fuck, yeah, Taco Bell. Great. Fuck. Yes. We see one in the distance, like, you know, like this angelic iconic sign of the bell there to save us from our hunger and and our drunkenness. And uh, so we pull up to it and it says drive through only. And we go, okay, that's fair. And we pull the bus up and realize oh, no. the bus is too large to go in the drive-thru. Yeah. So we get out of the bus and we knock on. And it's like two in the morning. They probably thought we were, you know, fucking, you know, like crazy, like drug like drug addicts. I don't know. Who knows? Like, um, so we're like knocking on the door like crazy zombies. But we're like, hey, can we, is there a way we can, because you, you're open. I know it's drive-thru only, but the, the bu- bus, see bus pointing at the big thing. It can't go yeah, through yeah. and trying to like gesticulate the s- scenario. And they're saying, no, 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 like drive through only, you can't come in. And so I don't know where this, some, there's, there's video footage of this, of the four of us, four or five guys miming perfectly straight faced. You can't see it because this is a podcast. Like pretending like we're in a car and we pulled up to the thing, we rolled down the window and we said, hi, yes. uh, So, hey, keep it down. And like, you know, trying to reach to people in the back. And we perfectly yeah, mimed, yeah. and I remember my quads, you know, because we're all kind of squatting, like squat walking through the thing, and we successfully <laughs> ordered drive through in a magical invisible car. Um, they gave it to us, and so there's video somewhere from 2011, 2012, of just five or four knuckleheads pulling up at three in the morning at some <laughs> Taco Bell outside of like rural Kentucky, and we successfully got you. our Crunchwrap Supremes. That's all. That's the adventures from touring. See, what I would have done is I would have just gotten into someone else's car, but I don't know how safe that is either. Uh, you know, just give someone some money and just say, yeah, throw this on your order. You know what I mean? But hey, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, you miming and you guys utilizing your theater school training is also. Yes. I'm sure you guys had probably had to do that at Michigan. Oh, yeah. Be the cars. We Extra credit. I wanted to ask Reggie because Esty and I have a significant background in theater and you know a lot of what you do has a, has a large degree of theatricality to it and that's yes. we can define that word however it, whatever it means 
But oftentimes there's a lot of musicians that had backgrounds as actors or vice versa. And was there any point, like, did you do theater in school? Did you ever have any interest in acting? Because, you you know, in a way you are acting when you're putting a lot of these pieces as a performer. So I, I don't know. Did you ever study that stuff? Was that ever something you wanted to do? You know, I guess, you know, the funny thing is, uh, I think what kind of brings all these different elements together for me is like, as a kid, I was a mimic. So I loved, um, you know, if I saw, you know, Masterpiece Theater, you know, and the host doing his hosty thing. Uh, and then seeing people, you know, just like, where are you going? I don't know. But everything I've said <laughs> is true. Why? Why do you do this? Charles, please, not now. I, there's a sound. Quickly. Here he comes. You know, all, all that stuff. Like, I was just, as a kid, like, ooh, hey. You know, like, just like, Yeah, I totally playing, get that. Playing. And I was, only, I was an only child, too. So I was like, you know, action figures and like making out, whatever. So for me, it was, it, the rule was any way to get up on some form of a stage, like, I'm I'm down for it. So it was you in know, you. It was always in you. Always, always in me. Like I, I just I loved doing things that I knew could bring people into the way I'm seeing something. Hopefully, you know, and thereby being somewhat, you know, like I want people to join in on this imaginary journey. You know, that type of thing. And and when I was in uh, oh when I was in elementary school, I convinced my principal. I was like, can I throw a noontime special play oh my god and, and, and he let and he let me do it and so the way i sold it is i told him that um it would be a play an anti-drug play because this was the 80s so oh like, yeah Nancy, just Ray, say Reagan. no very very just say no. to say no yeah. yeah no no it's like you just just say no i wasn't no. doing it so <laughs> um so so I, I wrote this play about me being a police officer and like busting you know, some guy with drugs. And I like remember putting a bunch of flour in a Ziploc bag and a bunch of parsley in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. And then I just like had this thing where I ended up busting this kid. I don't know if it was any good, but but all the school was there to see this dumbass play, you know, so I did that. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was like it was really cool, you know, but I love that rush, you know, of, of basically just playing but in front of people and then in junior high I did a little bit and then in high school i did uh, competitive dramatics so i, I my first year oh, I did like, like spe- I, some schools call it like speech and debate right it's it's kind of part it's, of that it's similar yeah similar but it's truly like drama so it's, like it's dramatic the same, interpretation yeah yeah there's like some people do call them uh well there's ext- extemporaneous uh, blah, blah, which is kind of similar to um kind of improv solo type of stuff but uh yeah, it's like a similar system. It's like a different, it's like the same overlay, but it's just the content is a little bit different, but it's the same like five kind of categories. And there were only two states that did it at the time that had competitive dramatics. So it was us and Texas, I think. Reggie, can you give me an example? Because I have absolutely no idea what this is. Really? I, oh, I, yeah. It depends yeah. what school you went to. A lot of schools had different names for this. I also didn't have yeah. what you're talking about, but I've met enough people who have been part of this like ecosystem of like dramatic interpretation or again, speech and debate and all these different subcategories where it was basically, basically just semantics for like kids who like theater and like to perform doing a version of their. It was like monologues. Yeah. It was like a monologue. Kind of. It's like, so the five categories were humorous, solo, humorous duo, serious, solo, serious duo, and then kind of uh, physical acting, which could be like mime or, you know, um, things of that clowning, that kind of a thing. Right. 
And then uh, I did humorous solo. So you're supposed to pick a piece that I think it's like 10 minutes long, 10 or 12 minutes long. Um, you pick That's a, a piece. a lot of words. Yeah, it is a lot of words. But I, th- I think it might have been 10 minutes. But I just remember like you had 10 minutes. You had this scene that you would do that you pick. But I I asked if I could improvise. And my, my teacher, my coach, my drama coach, Mrs. Thiel, was uh, really, really cool. And she was like, yeah, go for it. And so I did my own kind of improvised hodgepodge of like Eddie Murphy's Bill Cosby impersonation. Like yes. that's how I was doing Bill Cosby. Which for and our then, listeners uh, who aren't then, familiar, like, during that time, that was a very funny thing to be acknowledging. You know? Yes. Oh my God. Because you have it the hottest scary. comedian alive roasting yes. at the time a very famous figure. So let's, before anybody yes. convolutes that, yes. that history. It's a different time. Just a it little a different context. time. Different, different time. time. Yeah. Anyway, continue, Reggie. Cosby was king at that point. Cosby that was like the Cosby time. show. All that, yes. everybody was like, holy shit, Cosby. You know I mean? He was like doing some really cool shit. But, you know, behind the scenes, not so much. Anyways, yes. but we, we did. Um, but, so I was doing like that. And then I was a huge Monty Python fan. So I was doing Monty Python British stuff. So I was speaking in an English accent like half of my life. And so I mixed all that stuff and just the thing. And then, you know, at, and you have meets and then finally there's the, you know, the, the finals or whatever. And I got third that year. And then the second year I did humorous duo uh, with my friend Wally bossy. And we did this thing called like a sketch thing called two guys doing stuff. And uh, we just, again, we had like an improvise, we had a framework and things that would go in order, but we'd kind of fill it with improvisation. And we won state that year, which was like insane because wow. we, we won over Billings West, which was like, like the legendary in Mon- school. This is in Montana? Montana. This is all Montana, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, it was kind of crazy. Like, it was like a high school movie. Like, there, I will write a high school movie about competitive drama, about that year and how we beat the top school. We, we took three of the five categories of the top school school that usually nice. swept everything. Clean it was, sweep. It was dope. Your trophy is, uh, or plaque or whatever I imagine is somewhere shined on a regular basis at your high school <laughs> in Montana. I'm sure people walk by it all the time and say, that was Reggie Watts. The happy mask, <laughs> sad mask, like the happy face mask and the sad yeah. face mask. Yes. Well, that yeah. checks it, out. It, it was that. It was that, yeah. That checks out that you did theater. Yeah, that's so it's all kind of tied together because I always think it is all the same. Music, theater, act. It's all it's all performance and it's all part of the yeah. same like genome. It really is. And and I, I just loved I loved uh, being on stage and drama. The, the thing that I was terrible at was memorizing lines. So for me, it was like if I had a framework and I could improvise within it, then then I was pretty happy. Or if I just had minimal lines, you know, that was okay. And then when I moved to Seattle in the mid nineties, I did sketch comedy, started a sketch comedy group with a couple of these brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actors that were going to the university of Washington. We did uh, two different sketch groups there. And then, uh, then when I went to New York, I got into experimental theater and did, uh, uh, wrote seven, seven pieces. And we were at under the radar festival and performed a couple of times around the world as well. So it was, yeah, I had a lot of theater experience. I, I, I love. So, theater. so when was when did they kind of come together? Because I, I have a, it's I, I'm really happy to hear this because we have a very similar kind of pathway where yeah. know, I was always playing music and I was always doing theater, and there was a point in college where church and state were kind of separated because I didn't do musical theater. I loved musical theater, but like I would do silly music with my silly music friends, and then I would do like plays and shit, and I just they never came into uh, they never converged until. One year, somebody said, hey, we're doing like a silly musical. Could you write yes. songs for that? And I was like, I guess, 
yeah, that sounds fucking funny. I'll do that. And that's when they kind of converged and, and things and things kind of came from that. But for you, was there a moment where, again, you're doing music your whole life. You have this musical ability and you're a great improviser. But, you know, a lot of the material that I I first got hip to was because of a lot of your music, musical impro- improvisation. Was there a moment that you realized these two had a place? Did somebody ask you? When was the pivot? When would they come together? Do you even know? I would say I was kind of always, always doing it because of Weird Al. You know, um, fuck yeah. When I was, you know, I mean, when I when I saw Eat It, that like, oh man, it blew my world wide open because I was like, how can you take song that popular now, make version, and then video looks real yeah, similar, song sounds yeah. similar, does not. How can do that? You know, like it was just like very, just mind blowing. And I started writing parody science songs. You know, I did my own version of Beat It called Clean It, which was not. Oh. that great but uh <laughs> yeah. you know valiant effort it. and uh valiant effort yeah a but for I, effort yeah it was valiant yeah I, I, thank you i <laughs> you know but uh but i'd always like you know thought of like silly versions of songs or i'd change lyrics to songs all the time and then uh yeah when i would improvise start improvising like after you know because I, I took classical piano until about age 16 5 to 16 and after that point you know, I would kind of doodle around and I would morph songs I was supposed to learn into other things. And I started adding lyrics. So I kind of have always been doing, it. you know, um, kind of like everything that I do on stage as a solo artist now is what I was doing in high school in serious solo or in uh, humorous solo. Wow. Then when was the, because we talked a lot on the last couple of shows when we'd have musicians uh, around, you know, around at least SC9's age, how GarageBand was like a huge advent of... <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, the exploration for us because the first time teenagers now had digital audio to like express ideas in a way that you couldn't and something that's interesting to me because you you know so much of your stuff that you do is with loop pedals and and kind of playing with that medium this was something that i remember i got first hip to when i was playing like open mics because i didn't have we didn't we didn't have youtube we didn't have like other places where you could see this i would start playing with people and they'd have it and they'd fuck around with it whether they're beatboxing or just looping their own you know guitar samples or whatever it was just uh, it was like a, a new world for me and i and i wonder for you you know, was there anybody like, when did that come into your life? Because it's not like you can just turn on TV and like up next, the really famous loop pedal guy that we all know and love. There's no like, there's no like template for that. So like, when did you start fucking with that? And like, and realizing that could be incorporated into your thing, because as far as I know, like coming up in the eighties and nineties, it's like, no one's fucking doing that. And and actually that technology doesn't even really come into fucking play until like what the mid late nineties. Yeah. I mean the, the loop, well, it's funny. I came into looping. Uh, well, I was exposed to looping through, uh, my teacher, uh, Jake Clayton at, uh, Cornish college of the arts. She was using a Digitech 16 second, uh, delay that has like the famous, like resampling kind of yeah, thing yeah. going on, which is like lo- lo- looping. But it was like, it was a delay pedal, but it also looped, you know, but like, there's a fine line. And so she would do like, kind of back herself up with these atmospherics, um, really cool ambiences and textures and things like that. And then kind of ride on top of it um, in these like abstracted ways. And then, and then, and then I think uh, Skerrick, this uh, sick, super badass saxophone player that would experiment with crazy long chains of, of effects. Um, he had a boomerang pedal and he would do uh, kind of looping stuff that way. Uh, and then I, I had an RE101, a Roland RE101, which is like an analog tape delay from the 70s. And so I was fucking with that a lot. And I was like creating delays. And then I was going on tour uh, with um, 
uh, Wayne Horowitz, this uh, kind of well-renowned Northwest, well, he's from New York originally, but he worked with Bill Frizzell. He's a piano player, uh, composer. Wow. Um, he's like a Bill Frizzell acolyte. Um, you know, they were they had bands together or whatever. They grew up together. And so he is just a workhorse, always like doing projects, always hustling, always getting grants and stuff like that. And he would poach uh, players from Cornish. He would like go and watch the noontime concerts and he'd be like, oh shit, that bass player, oh, that drummer. And then he would put Come together a band. Yeah, he'd be oh, come with cool. me in my world. And so Ooh. I got to go on tour, European tour, and we did like that traditional jazz route that Coltrane and Miles would do like, you know, throughout Europe. And we had this uh, project called the Rain- Wayne Horvitz 4 Plus 1 Ensemble, which was very kind of awesome situation where the plus one was this guy, Tucker Martin, who as part of the Martin legacy, who the, his, I forget his father's name, but he was a famous country country writer. Anyways, he would process sounds using delays and effects oh, cool. and all the analog instruments going through a mixer. So he would do that. And then they'd make sure that they just had two stereo speakers for amplification. So his idea was that instruments were never to be louder than the loudest acoustic instrument on stage. That's hard. When, when was this? This would have been 1996, I think. 96. Okay. I mean, yeah. this is pretty cutting edge. I mean, this is like still pretty avant-garde kind of shit, yes. it sounds like to me. Oh, yeah. Very, very cool experimental stuff. But when we went on tour, you know, I was using the 101 for my stuff. I had like a synthesizer, I had a Roland W30 and like, well, uh, you know, the RE101. And I would like do vocals through a telephone mic into it for certain sections of the music, blah, 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 blah. And it was all directed. And then uh, when we went on tour, I was like, I can't bring this 101. The, the, the tape, as you as you know, they're really fussy. They're, they're noisy as fuck, first yep. of all. Secondly, they just have this <laughs> that's just always there. Um, and then the tape would get it would gummed up get gummed up on the heads and it would just like freeze and then the torque of the motor would break the tape so i was like i can't rely on this and i can't be like constantly splicing my own tape so fortunately like maybe four months before we were going on tour line six came out with the dl4 which that shit changed everything that changed everything yes everything up for me i had that yep yes that changed everything and they don't make that shit anymore man that shit is like vintage gear now those line six old like the pods and everything it's like hard to find anyway oh that stuff yeah no the pods are impossible the line six they still sell but they're cheaper now they're more cheaply made so they tend to break down a lot more frequently so if you want a good one you have to get an older line six they look exactly the same but they're like just darren i'll sell you mine i'll sell you mine yeah i'd fuck with that yeah i just at this point i'm sentimental about it it's you know the gear that actually isn't good gear anymore but i just it's like i was there when i was a kid so like i don't i just spent a mini fortune trying to fix my line six flex tone two which is like not even a great amp, but it was like I used to yeah. play with that everywhere. It's like, I love that thing. People are like, why don't you just get a new oh, amp? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> All right, hang on. No, no, no. Emulation, like, you know, when Line 6 came out, that whole idea of emulation was just like, what the, what, huh, what, you can, what? You know, and yeah. that's what, that was mind-blowing, you know? And then I was like, oh, does this really sound like, a, you know, a, a 101 or an RE of any, like you know, or an Echo Flex yeah. or whatever, right? And then you just kind of like, would you'd look at the charts that they would give you there's like a little booklet you'd go like, <laughs> yeah the, um, the, the, the treasure map okay so tweeze to six o'clock position yeah um, um we're at this position that, and you would like do all the knobs and then you yep, then I I have all my like, pieces Holy of tape yeah yes it was exactly like the re101 so i was like fucking dope and then that's what we we're using but then i noticed on the six o'clock position there's a loop mode and i started uh fucking with that as a scratch pad for my band at the time mock tube we i would just be like I was thinking about this jam. It's like, 
and then the band would be like, okay, and they would just okay. be looping, and then they looping. would start like, and then they would, and then as they got it, I would just slowly like lower the volume and then let the band take over, and then I would just be like, yeah, yeah, or whatever, it's just over it. And that's that's how the looping shit started, man. That's a great it's way like, to write um, songs. That, that's a great way to write songs. It's great because you can do it instantly. You know, if you're an instant, if you're an instant, uh, song person or whatever you know or if you hear like a groove right away like you can just boom here's here's the idea it's looping you're done and it's digital you don't have to worry about the tape right because that was the don't have to worry about the tape no yeah i mean f- no, for our listeners that just zoned out for the past 10 minutes about us talking about <laughs> digital audio um not even digital we were talking about analog audio that we uh, when i was telling reggie yeah. that there's loop loop pedals and stuff i guess as we know them now they're digital like uh like most people what is what the boss uh the 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 505 the rc505 that's like everything's most, electronic now a, a, yeah. yeah everything is electronic it's digital this is something that didn't happen until sort of early 2000s late 90s if you were lucky if you had like really nice gear but for a while there looping shit was a convoluted process as reggie was saying it was basically like kind of a delay pedal, kind of like this boomerang pedal. There was like ways to do it that were not as streamlined as they are now. And what's amazing about, you know, you being able to do this is, yeah, you can harness a lot of instant creativity in a way that like you just fucking couldn't do before. And you can like ride these waves, these inspirational waves that go very quickly. And even what you just know, you know, like boomboxing a sort of a groove, like good, you can have it. I don't have to like sample it in and like there's there's a whole pr- like you just have it instantly and um for those of you that are unfamiliar please go watch any of i mean just literally just youtube reggie watts uh, jam, i mean it, you've jammed with a number of people i was just watching this morning the jam that you did with uh um how do you say his last name mark rebier i figured it was something fancy yeah mark rebier who i'm a huge admirer of flying lotus as well who i'm a big admirer of all these great musicians just fucking with loop pedals and it's super fun and it's super in the moment it's a transient piece of performative shit that like you can't bottom, mm-hmm. you know? It's just And for in that those moment. of you that are yeah. listening, our uh, our podcast is now called Gearhead. Yeah, Gearhead. <laughs> yeah, we're on the Gearhead yeah, podcast pedal, now. Yeah. Gearhead nerds. The yeah. verge of Gearhead with SD Heim and Darren Chris. <laughs> Here's another question. We can given talk all about stuff. gear all the time. We can talk about gear. Well, I can hang. Gear's like a nerdy thing. I can hang. I guess he could Essie, you are a fucking gear. You like you gear comes to you because they want you to use like the the gear says. Please use me, Esty Heim. Your sister's well, you want know what? like the. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with gear. I I'm obsessed with vintage gear, and yes. one of the first times we were interviewed, we were interviewed by a British. We were in London. and We were interviewed by a British uh, periodical, and one of the questions one of the questions was if you had like. A million dollars. If you got a million dollars tomorrow, what would you spend it on? And I said gear. Oh, this is a great story. And not knowing that in the UK, gear is drugs. Proper gear. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, uh, it's specifically, well, in the United States, it's known for heroin. But yes, you're right. In the UK, it's kind of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Top gear, mate. Or no, that's not true. Yeah. I was thinking of a rig. Yeah. Rig is different. Rig is is heroin. Gear is. Yeah. I think gear. Wow. I think gear specifically is like cocaine. Right. Yes, you're right. There's mm-hmm. there's actually mm-hmm. a whole lot of fun drug uh, like parlance in the UK as they tend to have. Oh, uh, just oh, they're I the best. They're the best. Posh Charles. 
Charles, like proper what Charles, posh, Char- posh Charles. I've heard is it's what? cocaine. What's posh Charles? Oh, posh Charles is cocaine. But because of the way these things oh. become so individualized locally, so if posh Charles is cocaine, it then it's like, oh, you got get some proper Chucky. You got some proper Chuck, bruv. Right. It just keeps like, getting shorter, shorter, shorter and shorter and shorter and more, you know, nuanced. But uh, that's that's I've heard it. I've also heard. Uh, I don't know enough about European football much less english football players but apparently and i all get this from my i have some friends of mine who have uh, kids who are like teenagers and so i was like give me the fun like what are the kids saying yeah what are the kids saying it's already outdated Uh they were saying Uh okay so this is cockney rang uh cockney uh rhyme slang evidently and this may have just been between these two boys like this you know this is already outdated and inaccessible i love this shit give it to me okay so there is a footballer named gary ablett okay Okay. Tablet rhymes with tablet, yeah. which presumably would be for some sort of tablet form party drug. Yes. And so it's like, oh, might we got to school some Gary. We need some Gary. Uh, some Gary Ablett. Uh, Ablett, of course. Tablet. And I'm like, how do you, exp- like trying to explain that, it's just the etymology. It's like the string is, the breadcrumbs go too far back. That Like how could you possibly know what they're talking about? But I appreciated the sort of cleverness of that i have some of my own i have one um which is uh when when like something's finalized or you agree on something i say crocodile why <laughs> because it's a uh, crocodile dundee crocodile are Dundeal. we done yeah are we dundee is it all dundee we crocodile yeah, and then and then crocodile oh, i love that <laughs> sometimes i say that What's Reggie, the, that's excellent thanks yeah there, there's another one where oh, what is it crocodile dundee and then uh fuck i'll think of it i'll think of it but there's another one it's just like I've said uh, it's um, yo guys this shit's this shit's dope man I love I love being here man fucking two turntables and a microphone this is where it's <laughs> at I'll say that like this is where it's at it's, it's where it's at man yeah yeah oh man it's, it's the best oh, two see, turntables and a microphone it. man we're getting the hang of it oh here's another one Calrissian for like I like oh that person's Ran- so unpredictable yeah Rando Calrissian. Wait, Lando I don't Calrissian. know what what is that. <laughs> this is this is a Star Wars reference. Lando Calrissian. Star Wars reference. Oh, yeah, L- Lando Calrissian, and you're being random, so it's Rando Calrissian. Sometimes I'll say Rando Calrissian, but then if my friends know that, then I'll just say Calrissian. That is great. Yeah, if you're at the party, I don't know. It's like it's fun, man. It's just a lot of Calrissians going on. It's like I don't know. yeah, it's like oh, right. What? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure, totally. <laughs> and then you're like, I gotta get out of here. My dad might have been the purveyor <laughs> of this good. trend because my father, for years, for years, would sign everything, like sign cards, sign emails, like, and I mean, and I feel like, Reggie, I feel like you met my dad. Huh, I might have. Did you meet my dad festival. on the road? I think you met my dad. My dad is like, mm-hmm. is an immigrant, like, English is a second language. English is an eighth language. Like he learned so many different languages before he ever learned English. We all have immigrant parents, right? Are we all? Yeah. We all we're all first generationers, right? I first think. gen. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's true. All right. Yeah, cool club. Mom. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I cool. That was yeah. Cool. All right. I want to nice. ask more about that because I think it's so interesting. But my dad would always sign things Nike. Really. And I never under. I thought it was like. I thought it was. Like in a different language, it meant something because Nike already. I mean, it's a shoe brand, but I was always like a weird word. I thought I was like, it's Greek, right? It's like the Greek name for flight, 
right? Yeah, the goddess of something. Goddess of flight. As a goddess. The goddess yeah, of uh, yeah. Air Jordans. Yeah. Yes, goddess goddess of, yeah, Jor- the goddess Air of Air Jordan, Force One. Yeah. Yes, the goddess of Air Force One. So I like, and then she's on years, the front of the plane. <laughs> it was like one of those things where, you know, it's like the thing that you're like one of your, your parents just do and, and it's just part of their personality. But then a couple years ago, I finally asked my dad, like, dad, what is Ni- like Nike? Like, what does Nike mean? And he was like, oh, it means just do it. <laughs> English as a language. I get it. I get it. I get just it. Just do it. Wait, just he do would it. sign like sign on what? Like legal no, like, documents? Ha- like, no, like happy birthday, Asti. I love you very much, Nike. Goddess of just victory. Do it. Goddess of like, victory. Just do it. Like just do it. Like you like you can do it. Slogan. Yes, like I yeah. like you can do it. Like I love you. You can do it. Like f- it was like yeah. a, a way for him to just That's like sweet. encourage me. But I never yeah. understood what <laughs> Men. That is amazing. That really is amazing. That's pretty <laughs> fantastic. And also that he never cared to like explain it to you. This I is love very that. true. I love that. Yeah. He's like, everyone will get it. Yeah, yeah, they know. It's like, she knows what that means. I don't know if it's a broad generalization, but I have a lot of same things with like my, you know, second language. My mom will say things often where I, I know she's making an assumption about people's understanding of the English language. That is, that is, there's actually a huge incongruity. Uh, between most people, <laughs> most people's uses of English and her use of English, where she'll say stuff, and I'm like, I do not think this word means what you think it means. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if this is consistent with all of you guys, but it's a, yes. it's a very sweet thing that I think if you have parents who, whose first language or something else, it kind of happens a lot, and you only yeah. know it as their kid, where you you can like if there's other people in the room, you're like, oh, wh- you have to translate. translate, yeah, yeah. She's very yes, happy that you're all here. the time. Yes, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah Wait, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. My mom. Where's says- your mom from? Your mom's French? Yeah. My mom's from France. Yeah, from the north of France in the Lorraine. But she she just, she never lost her accent at all. Like, I've, I've had some of my mom, I had I had a friend who lived in Cutbank, which is like an hour and 45 away from Great Falls, Montana. And uh, his, his, his name was DJ, and his mother was French. But for some reason, no accent. From France, like, just some tiny little words, like her R's a little bit, but a hardcore, just flat American accent. It was amazing. My mom d- didn't, it didn't change since like she moved here in 1976. It's just, you know, she's always like, m- she says, instead of matter of fact, she says, manny fact. Oh, and so, so people are like just a book, like, like what? a book, a book, a compilation of male nannies that have compiled a bunch of facts for you. Oh yes. Yeah. This is, this is a manny fact. Number one. Manufacturing. Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. Manu- yeah, it's a manufacturing. Yeah, manufacturing. Manufact. Yeah. It's a manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry we pulled over your ship. We're going to have to take a look at its manufacturing yeah. to make sure to hold the <laughs> yeah. cargo. Is- <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I mean, does she must. I feel like accents because I too am a mimic. I think Essie's a mimic too. We like. When I hear. I, I'm a, I, I'm a self-proclaimed linguophile. I love accents. I love regional accents. I love the history of accents and the culture of accents and why they happen and, you know, through varying different languages. I know you and I speak a couple different languages, Reggie. There's like a lot of things that I like to notice. I think it has a lot to do with my love of mimicry. I think yeah. it has to also come with the having a good ear. Yep. Some people have it and they can, I always say this, like some people can see a face, they can draw it instantly. That's fucking magic to me. If you speak a certain way, I can match it. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I'll, I will give it yeah. like you know a good Ball college hard. try out of the gate. So your mom, I, do you do you get your ear from your mom or your dad? Because I would believe that if your mom still has her accent, 
she's not maybe hearing the thing that she needed to sort of assimilate to sonically. Whereas if you put me in France long enough, I wouldn't be able to help myself but to sound like the community I was around to eliminate my accent. So was yeah. your dad the music guy? Like, where's that? Where's that ear come from, man? Because you have a fucking insane ear. I, you know, I have no idea. My dad, my dad didn't really do accents. He wasn't really a particularly. He had a good sense of humor, but wasn't really funny. My mom was like <laughs> zany, zany, but not like funny to be funny. You know, like just more like she knows she's just zany. You know, and yeah. and my dad, yeah, it's like I don't, I really don't know where it comes. I think it's because I was born. You know, I was born in Germany and probably heard German people talking around when my mom would, you know, be pushing me around for the first year. And then, then, then three years after that, we were in, or we were in Italy for a little bit and then Spain for two years uh, until I was four. And then, you know, my mom was speaking French and my dad speaking English and then moving to Montana and, uh, you know, and then growing up around Montana and then going back some summers to Cleveland, Ohio and the black deep in the black community. And then like going to France to visit my relatives in the North of France. I think all of that exposure to sounds and language and probably just a predisposition for loving, like I see something that I love, I see or, or hear something that I love. I'm like, Oh, I, it's like this. Oh yeah. yeah I love it so much. It's like this. Yeah. How can I do that? And just being totally fascinated with trying to get it, you know? And, and then same thing with music too. Like I would mimic singers, like the way they would sound. It was Olivia Newton-John. I would be like, oh, how can, not only would I get the notes, but I would try to get the softness of her vocal tone yeah, or the, the, you know, the, the, the raspiness. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. So I was just like, sonically, I was very interested. And then when Michael Winslow came along, um, you know, in the police <laughs> academy movies, I was like, oh shit. And you can mimic like, I mean, I was doing spaceship sounds and lasers, of course, but like he was doing like, a car getting a flat tire on the road, you know, fooling yep. someone and thinking they're flat, they have a flat tire or like sounding like someone moving between train cars, you know, like, like, <laughs> like that kind of shit. I was like, what the fuck? And so I started, sweeps in the creeps. Yeah. Uh, so I started, that's kind of where all of that, it kind of, I think it was all of that stuff. Well, that's music wow. too, right? Cool, like, I think when you're good at it music, is music exactly. when you're good at music, well, like, like the three of us at least, yes. um, when you're, when you're <laughs> good, good at that, day. when you're good on at that good music day. thing, yeah. I think yeah. that that's part of our job is to have the ear that recognizes what makes it the thing that it is, right? And to be able to then yeah. recreate that, right? And I think that's why music or create something that fits like with it. it. I think understanding like the structure and go, okay, you're you're you know you're you're at this part of the layer cake. I know that part, so I'm going to be at this part of the layer cake to elevate or compliment or yeah hold you down it's like knowing yeah it's like there's a lot of it's, it's mimicry it's performance it's that right. thing i do hey, it's all connected all right i agree but I, you know i wish i i wish i think and i don't know if this goes this goes back to what reggie was saying about memorization i hate memorization too and i think that's also what i hated about learning languages was memorizing all the different mm. uh can, what are they called not conjunctives what are they called Oh, just all the grammar and all the shit. Yeah, but it's called or something, and whatever. my Spanish oh, that, teacher or, will kill oh. me. Will call me probably, or at least Facebook uh, me if I don't get this right. Conjunctive sounds like an eye disease. It's not that <laughs> conjugation. There we go. Conjugation. Oh, there we go. Terrence, conjugation. The voice of God. Thank you. Con- conjugations. Thank you. Yeah, conjunct. Uh, conjunctive sounds like conjunctivitis, which I think is pink eye. 
No, we don't. We don't go. We're there. not going to go there today. Yeah. So when you're congregating your verbs, I hate uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. And that's that's like my that's the biggest that's my biggest pet peeve with learning languages. I think that it the easier thing to do is just to go to the country itself if you can, if you're lucky enough to be able to get there, and then just stay there. And you know, I was terrible at French. I took I took French in high school and I thought it would be a breeze because I I only learned I didn't write French. I only spoke it. So, ah. uh, and, and I could understand it. So, um, you know, so essentially I learned French by ear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so when I got into the class, like the beginning French, yeah, that was pretty easy because right. it matched what I knew I could, I could, you know, I was like, Oh, I know how to say that. Oh, I know why you say that. But then as soon as we started getting to deeper grammatics and things yeah, like that, um, and feminine, masculine, all that shit, I was like, I, I can't do it. And I st- I passed, but she was just nice, you know, but I, <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's like, I still can't write French. I mean, I, I can read it yeah. for the most part, but oh, I can't dude, Talk about one it. of the most dissonant relationships between written and spoken languages. France has a huge illiteracy, illiteracy problem where, because you have this thing that you can, many people can speak. It's like fucking so hard to figure out these yeah. rules. And like, you. it's like, here's a, here's a nine letter word. You pronounce two of the syllables. Right. You pronounce you two, three of the letters. Those other ones, they're just that's just a bonus round to, to it's fuck decoration. You up. Yeah, yeah, it's decoration. It looks just looks cool on a street sign. It looks really other cool. Than that, yeah, but it. don't pronounce yeah. it. Wait, Darren, <laughs> do you? Mean. Darren, There's an can, apostrophe. Darren, can you read Japanese? Uh, I it depends. Like like childish Japanese. I would. There's three alphabets. I won't get into the intricacies of it, but right. Uh, okay. There are basic forms of it that yes, I could get by, but d- definitely not like a newspaper. You right. Know, I think basic Japanese you'd see on T-shirts in like places in the United States. Yes, because they're like common things. But like a Japanese novel, absolutely not. Also because kanji is like all other thing. That's like it's like a lifetime we don't, of study. We but, don't need to be able to read. Yeah, it's all good. No, romanji's good enough. Yeah, romanji's is where emoji emojis is all we need. Really, if I'm being honest. With yeah, you. I yeah, can yeah, read yeah. those. It's the only G yeah. I need to jive with. Now, uh, Reggie. Emojis. That sounds so emoji. So terrifying. Oh, I love you. Know my favorite artist is Emoji Heap. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that. That is so you know good. We There's got to be somebody. On this show. I feel like we're gonna see Emoji Heap in the middle of the Lollapalooza bracket in like two years. Yeah, totally. It's gonna be. Uh, a, I don't know what the group is gonna be. It'll be like two dudes from like. I don't know. I I want to say like a, like a guy from Thailand and a dude from like Texas. They met at, at Juilliard, started an electro pop group, and uh, they have they got a really good sync with the new Nissan commercial. Yeah, and they are now <laughs> in the middle. They're playing the Gobi stage at Coachella. They're huge I'll on be TikTok. There. I'll leave early, but I'll show up for a little bit. Oh, emoji. <laughs> Emoji heap. Emoji heap. She's the best. Her magic loves. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was going to say, uh, because we, we didn't really get into uh, Corden, I'm interested what happens when, you know, a lot of things we're talking about, arguably, I, I don't know if this is true, but, you know, I subscribe. I think Essie subscribes. You subscribe to perhaps things that might be associated with more with subcultural nerdy things, uh, absurdist humor, things that aren't immediately associated with mainstream uh, interest. Not saying that it's for, for better or for worse. It's not like a commentary on people's tastes. It's just an objective 
uh, thing I've noticed is, you know, if you're you're the guy that grows up loving P- Python and, and Weird Al, yeah. we are the we're the fun outsiders that enjoy nerdy weird shit. And what's interesting is when people in our position get put into a mainstream spotlight, and now you have a platform to kind of um, what's what I'm looking for be, be the conduit between said subcultural interests and mainstream focus. And I'm wondering for you, has this been a weird thing? Because now that you are in this insane, uh, insanely visible daily, nightly uh, exposure machine, which is a wonderful thing. Do you find Mm -hmm. yourself being like, oh man, I I don't, is, is, do do you have to recalibrate your sense of what you want to put out? Does it, is, is, does it excite you? Is there a pressure to that? Because it's a strange thing. You know, Esty can attest to this. You got you, you girls playing in your playing with your sisters, having fun. But all of a sudden, you get put on this international stage and you're like, well, fuck, now I got to be that version of myself? Mm-hmm. Like, this was, just, mm-hmm. this was just for me and my friends or me and my, my family. And now I got to be this version of somebody else that like actually has nothing to do with me. And I can relate to that too. You know, like Lee was the thing where I'm like, oh, I guess I'm, I, I got to be that dude. But I've just been this nerd on my keyboard for my whole life. So anyway, sh- way too long of a setup. You know, what is, when did that, has that experience been a, um, have you had to reconsider anything? Has it been an empowering thing? Has there been any obstacles to it, I guess? Because I was thrilled when you got that job, because I was a big Reggie fan. I'd know James from the Broadway world, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's a great look for James. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, I now, I didn't really have to adjust too much. I mean, I I, uh, I just looked at it as an opportunity to do more um, of the things that I wanted to do. And I think, thankfully, I was, you know, living out loud um, long enough that uh, – I think people were like not really worried, you know, like, I mean, if someone was like, Oh, you got that gig, I bet you let's see how he changes. You know, like, I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to insinuate that. I feel like that's what came out. I didn't mean, no, to no, like no, that. no, 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 but that does happen though. So you're, you're right. in you know, and, and, and projecting that possibility. It's like, it's just that for me, I was, I, you know, I wondered about that of course, but uh, I, yeah, I didn't really, I mean, because they let me do what I wanted to do, you know, it's like a, for me, it's like I just had to set the conditions, you know, and just go like, here's what here's what I do, and here's what would make here's what would be the best way to utilize what I do, and then they allowed me to do it. So I didn't really have a that that wasn't really an issue. But I will say, the first time that I saw Heim on stage, I saw Heim playing any scale of the show because they play like they're playing a fucking like the like Red Rocks, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. they they play like Zeppelin. You know what I mean? Like, Thanks, like Amen. that's how, as soon as I saw him, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Right now? I was like, they're like, you guys are already there. Like you're already like looking above the 50,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, so right. thank you. I just had to mention that. Cause, thank cause you. That, that was, I appreciate yeah. that. So I think, I think that puts a bow on it. We are friends. We can be friends. Yeah. I think oh, that's shit, finally, yeah. Yeah. we fucking, that we're was, friends. this is all this was. Yeah, I, we're friends. We didn't even record this. This was just a test to see yeah, we're friends. if you guys could get along. Well, that's what Plus, I will say, not just to like, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, are you are like, are you like recording music right now? Are you like planning to put out maybe a song uh, or a record or something? What, whatever you can talk about. If you yeah, can, if you can. You I'm just, oh, yeah, it's on. really top secret. I'm curious. I, do really top secret I don't stuff. know. Like, you know. No, no. Well, I mean, I'm, I have this project called Video Games, and um, we basically just do these like really cool pop songs that are really awesome. And I, it's me and my brother. And uh, we. No, wow, I was gonna no, say, I, keep it uh, in the family. I know that well. 
Keep that it in was, the family. I was like, this is, uh, this like, is wow, very, 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 very coming, eerily similar. Coming for my spot, Reggie Watts? Coming for our spot? Yeah, thanks, man. Damn, okay. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. No, I, no, I, uh, I, I've been, I recorded with uh, Mark Rebier the the two weeks before we re- we recorded at Bedrock Studios, and I was just trying to like get a, like basically separate all the loops and shit so we can actually mix it properly. It was just kind of an experiment. So we have like an hour and a half of music there that we might fuck with. And then um, like today I'm recording with this guy, Tyler Hammond, who's this kind of 23 year old uh, jazz prodigy drummer. Cool. Um, drummer. Just in, insane. Yeah. He's a drummer. He's, he's sick. He looks like, I swear to God, he looks like a young Kevin Bacon. Whoa. He looks like, he, he looks like he could play Kevin Bacon at, like 19 you know what i mean like he, he it's it's crazy and he makes the weirdest facial expressions when he's playing he's having so much fun but anyways uh yeah so i'm, I'm doing that and then i'm recording music with wahada my um my electronic music project with john tejada and uh, we have a we have a single coming out on brain feeder soon and it's actually going to be i guess kind of an ep it's like three songs uh three tracks that's so cool i love brain feeder brain feeders like such it's the coolest label yeah. thundercats on and that label i don't know if covid is still um you know i i know people are starting to perform again as he's got some gigs lined up you're playing zebulon in, in in frogtown right for for like a you know weekly thing there or monthly thing yeah we had a kind of a uh like a, a bi-monthly or kind of monthly it was kind of a little random but it was like kind of a residency yeah for a little while we did El Cid for a really long time. Yeah, I was going to um, say El Cid you were at for a while. I remember that. that we cool. were for a long time. Yeah, that was like yeah. every, we were doing every week for a year, which was insane. Fun. But I just wanted That's to be. so fun. Are you doing it again? I wanted to get the chemistry. Uh, no, well, no, we're gonna, I think we're going to do some more gigs for sure. I definitely have, I want to do more cool, like live shows with musicians jamming, but have the, have it recorded really well. Um, have everything, all the tracks individual, yep. individuated, and then have and then an audience it. to like see it, and then mix it, and just like do it, and then and then use that, and then give that to for different producers. Like I've been working with Kenny Beats a little bit, oh, yeah. and uh, he he's such a fast, awesome mega producer, and he also, by the way, if you want someone that can that knows how to record drums, yeah, that dude, that dude, he played me. Oh my gosh, you guys are gonna freak out! Down. I don't know. Do do you know Idols? Yeah. Oh. The band Idols. Okay. I okay. Fucking so love Idols. Oh shit. Oh shit. I okay. Fuck, they're you... playing Pappy and Harriet's on Halloween, and I can't make it. And I was like, uh, Oh, that would be fucking fun. They are incredible. They are. They are. Uh, so they're a recent find for me. I, I ran into them. Like, you know, I ran into music like a year ago. But if you're a fan of them, you are going to lose your shit when you hear the new album that Kenny Beats produced. Oh shit. Wow, I have I never. Wait. Never heard drums sound as good as they've sounded. I mean, it sounds holographic. Whoa. It's just wow. raw. That's a great, he that's didn't a great do, adjective. He didn't do any processing. It was all, it was all I mean, it. he did like compression work. Right. The way he mic'd it, and he, you know, he said, I've been working on this technique for like a year and a half. Damn. Um, you know, and I think I really nailed it. And it is my, it is the most grossest, like destructive. Filthy. Dirty ass. I mean, that's that so kind of dirty. band, man. It's oh, it's so, and it's just exactly what I love. It's like right on the edge of punk. It, it's a punk like it's punk hardcore. Whatever it's you like call woke. it, like it's like woke, woke post punk shit because they're oh, singing yeah. about some hard fucking stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're just cool. like human nature and like, you know, all the, the pitfalls that we fall into as human beings and power dynamics and all that shit. And it sounds, it's just lethal. I heard that and I, I was jazzed for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and then when we would work together, I always have him play another song for me just so I get hyped. It's, uh, oh, I you're going to, you're going to freak. Oh, it's night I can't wait. I'm going to give that That's a my listen. working out music. Yes. Yeah, idols are great, and I would encourage our listeners for any of the other bands that we mentioned. We mentioned uh, Mark. Uh, how do we say Mark Rebillier? Is that how you say him? Think of the L Rebillier? as yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Rebillier. Rebillier, excuse me, Mark yeah. Rebillier, who's a fabulous uh, multi instrumentalist, and he's he's a wonderful producer and stuff. He's got a lot of cool stuff. I follow all his shit on Instagram. Um, a lot of cool musicians, especially for those of you that are listening that may not necessarily play music or be like a gearhead or anything. These are all really great recommendations. I hope you can. Dig them. Check out Brain Feeder. Check out everything on Brain Check Feeder. Check out Brain yes. Feeder. Everything <laughs> on Brain Feeder. <laughs> Check out computer games. Uh, uh, if you get a computer chance. games is so good, man. You gotta Thanks, listen bud. to anybody out there. Really, it's really good. I was like, I found thank you. Fan. I don't know if Essie knows this. You know, I had like a band with my brother called Computer Games. No. We did like pop, like pop synth shit. No. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it. It was a fun chapter. We still want to really keep it going, good. but you know, daddy's busy. Oh yeah, daddy's busy doing acting. 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 Performing. <laughs> the side gig. Yeah. Dude, you are such a joy, and I'm so glad you, you've always been so good to me anytime I invite you to fun stuff. It's all a projection of me just what you said about Doja Cat is honestly what I say about you. You're a guy that does it all. You have such a unique fingerprint on what you do, and I love that you found a way. And I'm glad that the spotlight found you, at least on on Corden for people in the mainstream to see you at your fullest. I think it's cool that you and Esty, you guys have never changed what you've done. It's just that everyone else's kaleidoscope has shifted into an angle where it now gets to see you clearly. And that makes me so fucking happy as a super fan because then you go, I I like this thing. This thing is cool. And then when you see other people liking it, you're like, thank God, I'm not, I'm not fucking crazy. Like this is a great thing. So thank you for sharing that with us and with the world and being on our podcast, man. We really appreciate it. You're such an inspiration to me, man. You really are, Reggie. And I'm so glad I got to meet you all (laughs) those years ago. And I think, isn't the last time I saw you at that Julian concert? At the, oh, at the- Was that um, when the last um, time um, I saw you? Yeah, at Voids. It was like a- The Voids. Outdoor- Were you at the Voids? Yeah, it was the Voids. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Outdoor the art, the art yes. 18, 1983 or whatever. So whatever it was, it was so yeah. many years ago. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty three. It was three years before I was born. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, we'll let you go, man. Thank you for being here. Thanks. And uh I can't wait to see you around campus again, around all the familiar places. See you at Yeah, of course show. at the quad. Fuck yeah. <laughs> around the quad, dude. Oh shit. Are you kidding? Oh, I can't go. wait. All right, okay. take care, Reg. Thanks for being with us, man. Hey. Matane. Matane, 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 That thing I do is a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. If you like the show, which I know you do, please be sure to like us, follow us, and leave a glowing review. Thank you for listening to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.